Again, it's great to see everyone here this morning. Does everyone have one of these? If you have one of these, can you hold it up for me? I want to see if everybody has one. All right. As you open it up on the first page on the left, this section here is called the Order of Worship. Okay. What that John is doing a really good job of holding up and pointing, in case you're missing it. It's called the Order of Worship. And what that is, is it tells you from the very beginning how the worship service is going to happen. I like them for one reason, and I don't like them for another reason. The reason I do like them, if I'm a, in the congregation, is I get to come in before the service even starts and decide whether or not I'm going to like what's going to happen. Because I might look at some and go, ooh, I don't like that song. And I might look at that passage of Scripture and say, mmm, that touches me too much. I might not want to care too much for that one today. Um, the reason I do like them is because... I can look at it and I'll say, oh, wow, they're doing this great song at the end. I can't wait and start getting excited about the worship service. I told you it was coming. Victory in Jesus. Um, it's a guideline, okay? That's how I look at it. If it was a business meeting, it would be you would stick to it point by point by point. For me, it's a guideline because I believe that the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and minds at different times, and we have to have room to change things up when God says to move. One thing I want to point out is it has on here that Mayor uh, Dennis Baxter was going to be singing today. He will actually be here next week for Holy Communion. So if you guys want to come out for not just communion, but, but hear the mayor sing, if you've not heard him sing, he is a wonderful, wonderful singer. Um, and the other thing that I'm getting at is we're not going to do today's scripture reading. I kept fighting with it all week long. Does anybody get the newsletter? How many people actually read the newsletter, the letter portion of it that I write? So for all of you that, that don't get it, you're going to get it today because that's what we're going to talk about today is a, a story that took place in the book of Acts chapter 3. It's important to me because it says a lot about who we are as a people and what we want to accomplish and how we're to accomplish those things and the miracles that God works in our lives. How many people in here today have ever said, I wish I could do something or I wish I could accomplish something, but wasn't sure? Yeah, there you go. But wasn't sure if you could. But there are many times when God makes a way. And that's what we're going to see today. I'm going to read from uh, Acts chapter 3 today where it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, No silver and gold do I have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate. They were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you today, we thank you again for all the wonderful blessings that you've given us in life. And Father, we ask that you be with us today as we move forward in our walk with you. And Father God, as, as we approach obstacles in our life, help us to see that you're with us now and always to, to overcome those obstacles. That because of you, we are more and we are stronger and able to accomplish all of our things in life that we desire. Father, I ask that you be with me this morning to, to speak your word, empty me of the desire to speak my own will, but fill me with your spirit, that I will speak words only pleasing to you and that would benefit your church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All week long, this passage of scripture has been on my mind. The scriptures, as I've said before, normally come from the lectionary, which is a list of scriptures that the United Methodist Church pre-select a year in advance, and that's normally what we've been following on, but we're changing that up. Um, starting next month, we're not going to be using the lectionary anymore. We're going to start doing series sermons. And the first series that we're going to start talking about is how we grow in our relationship with God. And I think that this passage of scripture stuck with me so much this week because this, to me, is the basis of our relationship, and it's giving our life in trust to God. You see, so many times in life, we find ourselves looking at circumstances and situations or our dreams and thinking that, you know what, I can't accomplish what it is that God wants me to accomplish. There's no way that it's going to happen. I don't have the physical ability. I don't have the mental intellect. And I don't have the resources to do so. But Peter and John are coming to the temple on this one day to go pray. And I think that it's important that we look at the time of day that they came to pray. See, this happened after Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection. It says that they came to the temple to pray at the time of prayer, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You see, the, what happens before prayer is the time of sacrifice. And it's when the Jews would go to the temple and they would make the sacrifice uh, to God on behalf of the people. And then they would go into prayer. But I think what they point out to us by their actions here is this, is that they didn't need to attend the temple any longer because the sacrifice had already been paid through what Christ did for us on the cross. So they altered up their lives just a little bit, but continued in their walk. And it was at that time that as they approached the temple, they saw this lame man that was sitting right outside the gate called Beautiful. And he lay there every day because of his condition. See, he was born lame. Even in the womb, it says that he was unable to make his legs function. And his family or friends each day would, would take him out to the temple and set him out there as it was Jewish tradition so that people could give money to them so that they could make a living because they couldn't work. And so he was out there doing what he does normally not expecting his life to change. But he sees Peter and James, or Peter and John approaching, and he begins to do what he always does. Can you give me some money? And Peter walks up to him, and I like how he walks up to him. Has this ever happened to you when a man or a woman of God has a word for you? 
that they have a way of, of looking at you directly, not just into your face or into your eyes, but, but somehow looking directly into your soul as if they can read your very heart, as if they understand what it is that, that's missing in your life or as if they understand what it is that you long for. And that's what Peter saw. He looked at this lame man and he understood that he wanted something more than to spend his life begging. And Peter said to him this, I have no silver or gold, but what I have... I'm going to give you, and that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I think it's important for us to understand why Peter used the name Nazareth. Any other time when we read about Jesus in the Scripture, what we hear is Jesus said this, Jesus did that, let me give you Jesus. But Peter specifically said, I give you Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I think he said that because he wanted to connect fully with the person who was lame. You see, Nazareth... Or Nazareth was not a place that you could be proud of. Nazareth was a town full of robbers and thieves. It was very poor. Some of the disciples even said when, when Jesus was announcing his ministry, they would say, from Nazareth? What good could possibly come from Nazareth? And I think that, that this man who would be laying there could possibly feeling down and out about himself. And I think he would be feeling very comfortable if he heard that the one who came to save him, that the one who came to put his life back on the path, was common to who he was. That he wasn't someone who, who stood above him and looked down on him, but he was someone who stood equal to him because of God's love for humanity and because of God's grace that was given out to him. I think that's how God works in our lives sometimes, when we listen. See, sometimes we let pride and, and instinct get in the way, and we start hearing our own, our own voice talking to us, telling us what we should and shouldn't do. And sometimes maybe we don't feel like we're good enough to do what God has called us to do. But Peter assures us that God sent his son into this world, that, that we don't die and that we're not condemned, but that we live a life full of wonder. I was out at Tom Triplett Park on Friday afternoon uh, starting a new habit called journaling where you, you just sit down and, and you start writing about your relationship with God. And as I opened up that book to begin writing, the passage that came to my mind was, why is it that I do the things I hate, yet hate the things I do? And as I began writing out my story as I walk with God, what I come to understand is this, that though I work to discipline myself to be a godly person, many times I fail. And I do those things that I hate sometimes because it's in my nature. And it's in your nature as well. None of us are perfect, but yet God still intervenes in our lives to bring peace and understanding. And when I got finished writing at the end, and I looked back over the words that I had penned, What I concluded was this. 
is that it is okay to receive the blessings of God. We can't shoot them down because we did something in the past, and we can't shoot down the blessings that that God puts before us because we feel guilty about something that, that God has already forgiven us of. Take that and put it in your past because that's what God has done with it because God is no longer looking into the past. He's looking at present behavior as he moves us forward. And that's what he was doing with this lame man there. When, when Peter came up to him and approached him, he didn't, did more than just say words, but he put forth in action a movement that changed his life forever. Peter extended his hand and he didn't wait for that hand to come back and grab his. He extended his hand, is what the word says, and put hands on the lame man. And I think that's what we need to do sometimes in our life, that when we are trying to achieve something, that we can't just sit and wait for that hand to come out to us, or for us to to pull our hands out of our pockets and and start reaching for what we want. But we have to, to reach out to those that are in need, or in this situation that we may be in need because we want to do something different with our life. We have to put forth the work to reach out, grab hold of what that impossibility is, trust that God has us, trust that God has the vision, trust that God can provide, and pull that vision up to the ground. Make it a reality. Stop thinking about it. Stop dreaming, dreaming about it. Stop wishing that somebody else would do it for us or do it on our behalf. But get busy. Trust God. Put it in action and watch God work. You see, this man hasn't walked since he was ever in this world. Not once has he ever been able to put his feet on the, on the ground and support himself. Not once has he ever been able to take one step in front of the other. I take for granted up here. Sometimes I'm talking to myself while I'm up here about all this walking back and forth. How I wish I could stop walking, but then I think about the people out there that can't walk, just like this man. How grateful he would be if he could only have his miracle. Peter reached down, and he didn't wait for the person to reach back, because sometimes that's what we do. When we go out to achieve goals, we might take one step forward, but we're waiting for the world to bring the rest of it to us. Stand up. That's what Peter said. Stand up and walk. And the lame man did just that. He stood and he walked into the miracle that God had for him. And I think that that is the miracle that God has for us today. Too many times in our lives, we make excuses for why something's not done. Too many times in life, we don't move forward because we're scared that God is not going to provide. God is not going to provide in advance. He provides as you move forward, and we see that right here. And I think that that's the the message that God has for us today, that the good news is that, that we as a people are not forgotten, that we as a people have dreams and passions in our hearts, and they are very real, but we as a people have to move forward in our own ability, trusting God to make those things happen. If we don't do it, it doesn't happen. And one of the things that gets in our way sometimes, I'm going to kind of move into another subject here along this, is the people that we allow in our lives. Now, we are a church, and Jesus told us that we should love the Lord thy God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. And we should do that in every aspect of our life. And that means that that we honor God by the way that we live. But then he comes back and he also says that we're to to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, I think that is a wonderful thing. I think it's very true. But I think it's something that we take to an extreme. And we forget the part 
where he says, as yourself. You have to love yourself. You're expected to love yourself. And you don't let other people come into your lives who make bad decisions and impact your walk with God. See, loving somebody is not excusing behavior in no form or fashion. Loving someone is respecting them and being willing to love them enough to tell them the truth about how God works in humanity. That's what love is. We, as a church, and I don't mean Alpha Church, I mean as a, as a church universal, we have redefined love and the church relationship. And it's become a very destructive thing in our church. Because we keep thinking of church as a family. How many times have we ever heard that, that church should be a family? And that we should love one another and care for one another. Well, what that translates to nowadays, and I blame it on the hippie, hippie age. Don't get me wrong, I'm not picking on anyone. But we go back to into history and we see all the, the flower children and the peace and the love and, and how everyone would get together and, and do things that they shouldn't do, live in ways that they shouldn't. But they had this euphoric atmosphere of what we consider love that they make us feel so warm and welcome and kind and caring, regardless of how they make society function, regardless of the, the negative impact they have on society. That is not what love is. And that is not how the church functions. Too many times I hear, and I'm talking about everywhere I've gone and places that I haven't been, is that, that the church should love me and do things for me. And that's very true. But I'm going to tell you something. And I mean this from my heart of hearts. If you want to be a friend to someone, be a friend. Give your love and friendship to them and expect nothing in return. That's what a friend does. But if we want to talk about family in the church, just being realistic here, okay? Because we want a, a real true understanding of, of what God has to say to us. We're going to look back to, to the very beginning of time for Adam and Eve. The first couple. Man, they had it made. God gave them everything in life they needed. He gave them their own garden. There was no sin. There was no issues, no problems. All they had to do was live in the presence of God. But, but Eve comes along and talks to the serpent. And the serpent convinces her to, to eat of the fruit. And Adam sees it. And well, she convinces Adam to eat of the fruit. And what do you know? That loving family just brought destruction into the world. And then they had children. Cain and Abel. Oh, my goodness. That was a loving family, wasn't it? I mean, they cared for one another, and they loved one another, and they expressed that love toward one another, especially Cain to Abel, because in the long run, Cain murdered Abel because he was jealous. And then we go even further into the family of God and see the love that we have for one another. Jacob was constantly harassing Esau, was he not? Stole, stole his blessing from him. And it goes on and on and on. So as you see, the, the whole idea of, of church family being lovey-dovey doesn't exist. It never existed at all. But what does exist is this, is, the, is, is Christ's command to love one another, to respect one another, where they are in their lives. Because you see, I'm not perfect. And if you ever find out what my sin is, or if you haven't already, I would hope 
that you have some compassion and mercy on me. Because that's how I'm going to do it with you. Love is about carrying one another through difficulty, through experiencing one another's joys and celebrations and carrying their burdens with them. It is not condemning them, and it's not about creating a euphoric experience that we live in. It's about commitment. You see, this man here, the lame guy, when he received the miracle that God produced him, when he began to get up and walk, he didn't just sit there where he had been all his life. He entered the temple and began to give praise to God. He didn't let his friends who sat out in the gates with him tell him, you can't move forward. You got to stay where you were. But instead, he left behind what was old and entered the newness of life through Christ's miracles. And Peter didn't walk with this guy his entire life. He didn't. We know that that Peter brought forth the miracle through Christ to bring healing. And he raised him up. And he watched him walk. And he watched him run. And he watched him jump. And he watched him shout. And he watched him praise God. And then Peter went on with his life. And we know that because his ministry continued in other areas. So when God brings that opportunity of healing toward you, how are you going to handle it? With a true and realistic understanding of who God is and how God works in our lives and the expectation that that he has of his children. And are you going to take that opportunity and run with it? See, sometimes I run from the opportunity. I don't know about you. Because sometimes I, I look at that opportunity and what I see is that, is, is that opportunity as a commitment of me in service to God. And in my younger days, I would run thinking that, that I was, would have to give up something in life that, that was precious to me by entering service to God. But what I found is this. Walking with God in every aspect of my life, I lost nothing. But I gained everything. 
the more I walk and the more I surrender and the more I, I push forward to the fulfillment of miracles in my life, the closer I become to Christ. And the more I understand about him in my life and in the lives of those around me. And that is more than anything in this world can ever give. But it does require commitment. You can't walk on, on one side of the fence one day and then on the other side of the fence one day when God brings that miracle into your life and, and he opens up that window of opportunity or, or that door or, or brings about a physical or a spiritual healing. You have to say, just like Isaiah did, here I am, Lord, send me, I'll go. Because when you walk on one side of the fence for a few moments and then you jump to the other side of the fence, for a few moments. What you're saying to God is you're not making a commitment. That I'm only going to stay on this side of the fence with God as long as it benefits me. That I'm going to stay on this side of the fence as long as it makes me feel good. And the minute that it doesn't make me feel good, well, I'm going to go over here to somebody else or something else to make me feel good again. When you're in that commitment, when you've told God that, yes, I am fixed, I am set, I am going to determine, I am going to do what it is that you call me to do, and I am going to discipline myself in the way that you want me to be disciplined. I have said I've given my life to you. And that is a, something that we need to take serious. Because God wants to bless you in that spot. He can't bless you if you keep running back and forth. Go where God tells you to go. Don't worry about what it looks like. Make your stance. Do what God calls you to do. Put it to you this way. I think we all can understand this. We enter a marriage relationship, right? We've got a husband and wife. And you come home, and your husband has said, Honey, I love you, and I am committed to you, and I'm going to do everything that I can to make you happy. But once you get bored with your wife, you see someone else over here and go spend just a few minutes over here. What did that just start doing to that relationship over there? The blessing that God gave you over here is now wanting off. Because you're neglecting it. You're not keeping that commitment that God. And then what happens is, whether it's the husband or the wife, comes back home and says, Honey, I am sorry. I made a mistake. Would you forgive me? And then you forgive. And, and a week or two later, they go running off again. You know what's going to happen? Eventually, the person who is committed is going to be tired of hearing the excuses. And that blessing that, that God wanted to give you is going to go away. And it's not God's fault. See, he opens up that window of opportunity. He brings the healing. He brings the possibility for the miracles to happen and for you to achieve the goals. But without commitment to God and what he calls you to, you lose all of that. And that's what we don't want to happen in our life. Amen? We want to experience the goodness of God. So if we're going to experience the goodness of God, then we have to experience commitment in our lives as we serve God. People depend upon us. If you tell me that, oh, hey, I'm going to come out and do something for you, and you don't show up, and then you tell me again, I'm going to give you a break, and you don't show up, and you tell me again, and I'm going to give you a break, you don't show up, eventually I'm not going to believe you. And I'm going to miss the miracle. You're going to miss the miracle. Celebrate 
when God calls you. Don't look at what he has called you to and said, it's not going to happen. It's not going to change. No one's going to do anything. If you want someone to do something, if you want someone to change, you be the change. That's what I've learned. We talk about um, Daniel just a little bit this Wednesday night. How Israel was sent to Babylon for the purpose of being rebuilt and reconstructed. To be torn down as one identity and have another one created. But Daniel decided, I'm not going to be torn down. I'll learn your language. I'll learn your culture. But I'm remaining true to my God and my commitment. And in his life, because of his commitment to God, because of his unwillingness to, to run back and forth from place to place and person to person and God to God, he made a difference in the lives of the people there. The king who actually took Israel into exile became a believer in God Almighty, not because Daniel was making them change or that because Daniel was demanding that someone change, but because Daniel was to change by living out God in their presence. That's how things change. But it wasn't easy for Daniel. He had to face controversy. But we are a strong and mighty people. And God will not allow anything to be put upon us that we can't handle. I'm going to close in a minute, but I want to clarify that statement. I did not say that God will put anything will not put anything upon you that you can't handle alone. Too many people in our lives think that because they're experiencing grief or, or some other type of trouble that they should be alone in that battle. And that's where love comes back in again. It's not about how I feel about someone. It's about seeing the need that they have in their life. Whether I get along with them, whether I agree with them or not, be present in their lives to be the difference to be the change that they need to be. So I guess when I look back at all the things that Peter and John did in the lives of this man, the thing that I see most is that Peter didn't just give empty words, but gave words of truth to a person who was in need. He didn't just extend a hand. He put it in action and raised him up. And then he let go and let the person live his life. And we know that our lives are changed today because Peter loved the loveless, regardless of how he felt about them. And we know that, that our lives are changed today because Peter took his commitment to serve God so serious that he endured hardship and difficulties even unto death. And I think that's something to celebrate and I think that that's a, an example for all of us as to who we're to be. 
to face our challenges even when it's uncomfortable. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and thank you for the time that you've given us to come together. And Father, I ask that you be with us as we begin to leave the church house today. Help us leave today knowing that you can work within us to do all types of miracles. And bless this miracle here. He takes his pulpit every Sunday. I want y'all to know. Can you say amen for us? Amen for us. Amen. (laughs) May grace, mercy, and peace which come from God our Father, from Jesus Christ his Son, be with us who live in truth and love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.